Well, if, you're, if you have your Bibles this morning, go and open to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, as you're turning there, uh, one of the things uh, I want to clarify, um, I talked about a little bit earlier, is about the purpose and the mission and the vision of Mission View Church. Our purpose simply stated is that we're to love God, love others. There's a great text in Scripture called uh, the Great Commandment. And we can kind of summarize that into that simple statement that we are, our purpose in existence is to love God and love others. Our mission is to make disciples. That comes from that text in Scripture called the Great Commission, that we are commissioned, we have a mission to go and make disciples here in North Canton and surrounding areas and then to the ends of the earth even. So that's a a huge part of, of why we do what we do. And then our vision is to reach the 200,000 lost that don't know Christ yet. They would know the love of God and they would come to understand and, and apply the gospel, the truth of, of the good news of Jesus Christ to their lives. Our purpose, our mission, and our vision. So that's, that's why we're here and that's what we're doing. You know, as we, one of our core values here at Mission View Church is God's word. That we believe that this is God-breathed. This is no normal book that um, there's more than just words on paper in here, that it's living, that as we read it and the Holy Spirit that lives in us brings it to life and actually changes us, that it divides us, uh, our, our soul. And it's, the Bible says that it's it sharp, so sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword divides bone from marrow. That, that's, that's how living and powerful this, this word of God is. Man's, man's hands may have pinned it, but God breathed it out onto paper. This is God's word for us today. So, so we value God's word as our, the authority for our good and for guidance for our lives. So we open it every Sunday and, and look to it for those things, that it would guide us and change us, and that God would use it for his glory, the extension of his kingdom, and to change us. Because God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And we all need to grow and know him more. So as we've been going through 1 Corinthians, we've been trying to work our way through this whole book. We found out that 1 Corinthians was written because the church in Corinth was divided. Paul had heard what was going on in Corinth, and they were a hot mess. I mean, they were a dumpster fire. Uh, you hear people say, why can't the church just be like the New Testament church? Not the church in Corinth, okay? There was, there was all types of, you know, sexual misconduct. There was all types of suing one another. There was false teachers there leading people the wrong way. I mean, it was, it was a hot mess, no joke. So, so we found out that Paul hears about what's going on. He's, he's obviously been given some questions from people in the church, and he's addressing those things. So one of the main themes in 1 Corinthians is that Paul's trying to unify the church. Trying to draw them back together. Now, we today here, you know, in modern day, we don't have any divisions in the church, do we? I mean, every church is perfectly unified in perfect harmony. It's just wonderful. No, we still struggle with it today, don't we? And kind of some of the things that we found out as we were reading through this, some of the practical application of God's word is that that one of the core tenets of, of unity in the church is this thing called humility. Imagine that. That a key thing for unity is that we would walk humbly, that we would prefer others, that we would, we would see God as being God, submit to Him, and love one another. We've talked the last couple of weeks about the gifts of the Spirit. It's been really fun. It's been a really cool thing. And we found out that the gifts of the Spirit that God's given us are, are for the common good. 
for the common good. That, that God has gifted you, given you spiritual gifts for such a time as this, for right now, for, for the church that you're going to, maybe you're just visiting today, you go to another church, but he's given you gifts for that church. And that we are better together, all using our gifts. And what we found out is that there's, there's no gift that's better than another gift or higher than another gift. There's no, there's no echelon of gifts so that all of us are needed. And in fact, Paul goes as far as to say, you know, the gifts that you think are a little lesser, actually those need to be raised up. And, and those gifts that you're raising up and you think are really high and up there, those need to be brought down. That it's a level playing field that, that these gifts is... What we found out is that you are indispensable. That's the actual word that Paul uses. You are indispensable. The gifts that God has given you, you are indispensable. God wants to use you wherever you are. Whatever church you're a member of, use your gifts for God's kingdom. So we're closing out this section of 1 Corinthians today in chapter 14. It's kind of chapters 12, 13, and 14 on the spiritual gifts. We're going to close that out today as we look at verses 26 through 40. Let's read it in 1 Corinthians 14. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. He says that over and over again. If you're, you know, if you're joining us today for the first time, he said that do it all for building up, that we're to build one another up. It's for this common good idea. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each, each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three pro- prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. You may want to underline that, that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Now you, uh, you might want to highlight or underline that or maybe erase that or something. Right? I know. I, I just lost half the audience, right? You're like, whoa, wait. Wait a second. No, I'll just bring some real clarity so, so I don't lose all the ladies here real quick. We know that, that, that Paul says earlier that women are to prophesy and pray in the church, Right? That was in chapter 11. He makes it really clear that women are praying and prophesying in the church. So, so obviously there's something more going on than just women being silent in the church because women aren't to be silent in the church if they're praying and prophesying in the church, right? So there's more to that. So stick with me. Stick with me. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or a spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently in order and in order. Now, I'm going to have to clarify some things here real quick for those of you who haven't been with us the last couple of weeks. When he's talking about tongues here, he's not talking about some ecstatic speech that is happening. He's talking about different languages that they wouldn't have been speaking in Corinth, languages from around the world worldly known languages. And this was for the propagation or the, the really expansion of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. 
So you would have visitors coming in. Corinth was kind of a, a mesh of all types of different people. Uh, there were people coming in from everywhere. And so when they would share the gospel, someone would speak in tongues a different language than what was known common there in Corinth because someone was there that spoke that language. And they would hear it was a supernatural miracle that God did so that the gospel would go forth. So he's talking about known languages here. I just don't want there to be any confusion as we go through this. The first fill-in in your notes as you came in, you should have received a program. The first fill-in in your notes is this. Prophecy and revelation are given for our learning and encouragement. Giving for our learning and encouragement. Propheteo, or prophecy, this really interesting Greek word means to prophesy or to make inspired utterances, to give this oracle or advice, to expound Scripture, to speak and preach under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Right now, that as, as I share from God's word, that I pray that God would use me, that he would give me the words to share. And then I trust that the Holy Spirit, that you're under the influence, that the Holy, the Holy Spirit is actually bringing to light what I'm talking about, that it, that it actually makes sense to you as we go through this and work through God's word. Did you know that's one of the supernatural miracles that happens in church when we gather as we open God's word? That as I, I read God's Word and we talk about it, that the Holy Spirit, I'm trusting that as I talk about it, the Holy Spirit actually does a miraculous work and makes what I'm talking to you about make sense. Not just that it makes sense, but that He gives you power to actually apply it to your life and that it changes you. Now, that's an amazing, amazing thing. So, so as we're going through this, that's, that's really what prophecy is, is being talked to about here. In this context, prophecy and revelation are given to teach and encourage. In this context, it's teach and encourage. We do this today through exposing or the exposition of God's Word. The Bible is the foundation of all teaching and encouragement. We learn by hearing the Word taught and its meanings exposed to us. This is our doctrine or the things that we believe. And that supernatural part is, is the Holy Spirit working in us to open our eyes, to understand it, giving us our minds understanding. Now, prophecy here, meaning teaching or word of encouragement, um, actually takes two distinctly different forms of prophecy. And this is very important for us if, if we seek to understand where Paul goes next. All right? So prophecy meaning two different things. Now, the cool thing about Christianity is that we all have the same Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Like, the same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. There's, there's, so God, what that means is that God can speak through you just as much as he speaks through me. We've talked about this in elders meetings before, and, and we really want to be purposeful about calling and talking to all of our church members because God may be speaking through you. Because he can. He can speak through you just as much as he speaks through the elders of the church or the deacons or anyone else. Because the same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. And that's an amazing thing. We are all given the Holy Spirit at salvation. He comforts us, illuminates the truth of God's word to us. He brings conviction of sin, the power to resist temptation. He imparts gifts to us for the church. He works that 
process of sanctification or change in our lives and so many other things the Holy Spirit does in and through us, we all get to play a part in this amazing work that God is doing. It's amazing work. Now, I, I said just a moment ago that this, this distinctly two different forms of prophecy are important because it's going to shed some light on that really hard section of this text that I just talked about, that whole women being silent in the church. So my second point is actually a question that I'm going to answer for you today. And that second point says, should women be silent in the church? And the short answer to that is no. No, they should not be silent in the church. But there's got to be a long explanation for that because, man, it sure seems clear that Paul says women should be silent in the church, right? So here's the long explanation. Here in chapter 14, Paul never required women to be completely silent. This is evident because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, just three chapters earlier, that women who pray and prophesy in their church should have their heads covered. Now, when we studied head coverings, what did we find out? that head coverings meant there was a, an authority structure, that they came under their husbands, that there was this authority structure that was there set in place. That's what head coverings meant in the culture. Women who were married or promised in marriage wore head coverings, kind of like wedding rings today. He also said it, it assumes that women are praying and prophesying in the church. So we know that women aren't supposed to be completely silent in the church. The passage that I'm referring to in first. Corinthians 11, 4 through 5 says, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covers dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as if her head were shaven. Now, this passage here in chapter 14 requires women be silent with respect to the activity under discussion. Okay? And what's he talking about here? What's the activity that's, that's being discussed here? It's the judging of prophecy in the church. The judging of prophecy is the work of evaluating and determining the doctrine, the foundational doctrines of the church. Or is what I'm saying today as we are expounding God's word, or what whoever preaches here, you know, and expounds God's word, is what I'm preaching and sharing to you, is it God's truth? That's what's being talked about here judging or determining doctrinal correctness. So what is the topic under discussion in 1 Corinthians 14, 34? Are judging prophecies, beginning with verse 29, says, let two or three prophets speak, let the others weigh what is said. There it is. In fact, verse 29 is a general principle about prophesying that divides itself into two halves. There's those two things. The first half, talking about prophecy, where let two or others speak. The second half, talking about judging those prophecies. This understanding of God's word is right in line with Paul's letter to Timothy. That's another one that talks about this authority structure that God has given us in the home, that the husband is head of the wife, just as Christ is head of the church, and, and the authority structure in the church for doctrinal authority. So we interpret that verse in Timothy that Paul says that um, women shouldn't lead men or those things, that women shouldn't speak in the church, that in regards to doctrinal authority, that is a doctrinal authority structure. And that it's really in Timothy, I'll just go as far as to say that there's really no other interpretation around that because when the Bible interprets itself, you can't really add to or take away anything from that. In 1 Timothy, Paul makes it very clear that the doctrinal authority or the headship that's placed there for men in the church is because uh, Eve was first deceived in the garden. 
He doesn't say it's because women aren't educated. He doesn't say it's because any other reason. Paul makes it really clear. He just says it is a consequence of what happened in the garden, that there's this authority structure set in place because of what happened in the garden. The other really cool thing about that too is that, that it's a picture for the world as well, that as we serve one another, and we've talked about this before, uh, husbands and wives, that, that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And so this authority structure isn't like this lording over abusive, abusive authority. It's this servitude. As Christ loved the church, what did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. Husbands are meant to give their lives away for their wives. That as we, as we prefer them and look to their needs before our own, we even look to their desires before we look to our own, as we, we sacrifice our lives for our wives, guys, husbands, we give our lives away for our wives. I mean, Jesus even says that he came not to be served, but to serve. If, if that's what Jesus came for, that's, that's what we're supposed to do as husbands. It's not this lording over of authority. It's this beautiful, sacrificial, humble, giving our lives away for our wives. That's what that looks like. We, we talk about authority structures and all these different things, and people are like, oh, the values, you're devaluing. Not at all. Not at all. Husbands, as we lay our lives down for our wives and lift them up, it's a beautiful, beautiful model to the world of Christ's love for the church. That's what it's meant to be. It's this, this example to the world of, of what Jesus did for the church. That's why we see these parallels all through Scripture of, of husbands and wives and Christ in the church. Paul makes no distinction. I mean, he doesn't even give disclaimers. He just goes, he starts talking about marriage, and then he just talk, starts talking about the church in Ephesians. It's, it's crazy. You know, I, I think about this, the headship and authority structures and all these things that God has put in place for our good. And it's hard for us to hear. It's hard for ladies to hear. But I think it's because men have blown it. I mean, if we really modeled the kind of sacrificial love that is commanded to us in Ephesians, who wouldn't want to come alongside that kind of leadership? I mean, if your husband is coming to you, how can I serve you? How can I serve you best? What are your dreams? How can I come beside you? And how can we go for this together? I mean, come on. So that's, that's the type of authority structure that's modeled for us. We're not talking about abuse, although we've seen it. We're not talking about some lording over, although we've seen it. We're talking about an authority structure of humility, servitude, and sacrifice. That's, that's what this authority structure looks like. That's what God intends. And we're a team, men and women, husbands and wives in the church. Women's voices need to be heard just as much as men's voices need to be heard. Women's leadership needs to happen just as much as men's leadership needs to happen. We are only 
fully displaying the glory and awesomeness of God when we do it together. It's not men by themselves, and it's not women by themselves. It's us working together for the kingdom of God that shows the world the glory of God. That's what we're talking about. The third thing that we see here in this text is our church gatherings should be orderly and decent. Orderly and decent. Now, it's important for us to remember that Paul's been addressing some of the false teachers in Corinth, and I think he jumps right at them here at the end of our text. I mean, he's addressing these false teachers right away. He's saying, you think you know everything? You think you've got all of this wrapped up? Well, let me tell you, you can, you can find out who the true prophets are or who the true teachers are if they agree with what I'm writing. And so Paul is claiming some apostles' authority here, right? He's saying, listen, what I'm telling you and what I'm writing you is from the Lord as, as an apostle. So you can weigh what people are teaching with what I say. If they come into agreement with me, then you're golden. That's good. If they don't, toss them out. Toss them out. That's not right. And then another thing that Paul addresses is chaos in the worship services in Corinth. He says that worshiping together, our times together, should be orderly and decent. By orderly, we should have a plan. We should work out what God is leading us to do as we come together. We have a, here's a cool thing. At Mission View, we have a team of people that gather together on Tuesdays, and we do what's called a worship design meeting. And we talk about last Sunday and the things that, that went really great and things we want to do maybe some things that didn't go so great that we want to do better next week. And we actually plan out all the worship services so that we have orderly worship. So it's very strategic, but we want to have orderly worship. And we have teams of people using their gifts for the common good, the greeters at the door and the welcome table and now the, the coffee and the donuts and our commons time that we're going to have after church in the commons to, so we can, can fellowship and have those times together. We want to do the best that we can for Jesus. The Bible says that we should do all things as unto the Lord. And that's how we approach our worship as well. That's why the band rehearses and, and the pastors work out their sermons and share them together before we share them with the church, that we would do things with excellence. And I, I believe that as we pursue excellence to do the best that we can for the Lord, as people come and and or maybe it's somebody who's searching for a church or somebody who's experiencing a church for the very first time. If we do these things with excellence, the best that we can, they're going to they're gonna pick up on that. They're going to say, you, that was really good. You know, it seemed like they, they really had that planned out. We want to create an atmosphere where people who come to Mission View Church experience the power and the presence of a creator God, their creator God, when they're here. Because that's the only thing, that's the only thing we have to offer. You can have good music, you can have a really slick preacher, you can have amazing hospitality, you can have all this stuff. They can get all of that at the bar down the street. The only thing we have to offer our community, the only thing we have to offer our missionary partners and everything else is the power and presence of a living God who loves them. And that's what God has called us to. And when we talk about excellent services, that's what we're talking about. 
We want to create an atmosphere where people can come and meet their creator. It goes along the lines of our purpose, loving God and loving others. Our mission of making disciples and our vision of reaching 200,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ and the love of God. All right. Well, this, this sermon series through 1 Corinthians has been so good. And we're going to continue that next week. But next week, we're starting our new sermon series that is on resurrections. Not the resurrection, but resurrections. So if you want to come back as we start that new sermon series, that's our Easter series this year that we're going to be talking about and looking at um, the resurrection. But there's resurrections as well. And that's in 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 15, if you want to kind of pre-read on that and get kind of a heads up before we get into that. Let's pray before we sing our closing song this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And God, as we've been studying, we thank you for the spiritual gifts that you've given us for the common good. And even now, as we are speaking and looking into this, Father, I pray that you would begin bringing to the surface the gifts that you've placed in those here. That even now, you would start to reveal and, and, and bring light to what you would have us do. Maybe there's, there's people listening right now that are call, being called to missions. Maybe they're being called to use their gifts of teaching in our children's ministry or in youth ministry or in the adult teaching ministry. Maybe there's people out there that want to disciple others, Father. God, just call them forth. Put a fire inside of them that, that just propels them forward to use their gifts for your kingdom. Lord, we submit to you. We thank you for what you've called us to. We thank you for what you're doing in and through us. We say, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Baptism time. I'm so excited about this. We have two baptisms today. There's a microphone somewhere. Where's the... All right. there. Oh, they got it. John's coming out. Come on out, buddy. Give me five. John, I'll let you introduce, introduce Graham okay. and ask him why he's getting baptized today. So this is Graham. Um, you know, we've been having some conversations at home, a um, little, little more in depth, um, and he decided it was time. He wanted to get baptized. So Graham, what do you think, buddy? Why wanna, do you want to get baptized? I want to be baptized to show what God did to me, and it's one of the things God wants you to do. Okay. Okay. Good job, Graham. We had, a, we had a great time. I met with Graham and, and his parents um, last week, and uh, it was great to hear Graham has been talking with his grandparents about Jesus. And it's through the conversations that he's had with his grandparents that he made Jesus his Lord and Savior. Grandmas and grandpas out there, can I get an amen? Right? What, what an impact you have on your grandchildren. God bless you for your prayers and your investment in the kingdom. Awesome. Great stuff. Thank Thanks, Graham. Take it Gracie! Yay! <laughs> She's got a fan club around here somewhere. They're all wearing these blue shirts. Yeah. Did you see the back? <laughs> okay, we got to explain that. Okay, okay. so... <laughs> 
So, okay, so here at Mission View Church, it, I say this probably too often, we know that life's not always easy. It, life isn't always rainbows and unicorns. Sometimes it's tornadoes and pterodactyls. So I say that every once in a while, and there's rainbows and unicorns on the front and tornadoes <laughs> and pterodactyls on the back. Gracie, what's God been doing in your life? A lot. Um, Jesus has been everything to me, um, and he pulled me out of the darkness and brought me into the light. And just since I've come to Mission View, he not only saved me, but he lives in me. So I just decided I was ready to commit my life to living in and for his kingdom. Wow. Awesome. Now you've, yeah. <laughs> could, you, could you share a little bit with us about the impact of your kind of discipling relationship that you've had with Claire? How's that gone? What, how would you, what would you say about her impact on your life and just being able to have that relationship? Claire has been such an, just a, a huge driving force in my walk with God. Um, when I first came to Mission View, I knew Claire just as an acquaintance, um, and I joined her community group. And just through her teaching and mentoring, she just, um, I don't know, she's just brought me so far, and it just means so much. And even still to this day, when I have questions or I'm not sure of something, I'm texting her or calling her. I'm like, girl, listen. And <laughs> yeah. she just, she gives me advice, and uh, she just, she walks with me every day. Praise the Lord. Man, we all need that, don't we? We all need somebody in our lives that's challenging us, someone we can call when we're struggling with something. So I want you to know, you know, our, our discipleship um, program here at Mission View Church, I hate to call it a program because it's just really relationship with other believers. If you're interested in that, please call the church office. Let us know and we'll connect you with a discipler. We'll give you, you know, some curriculum that you can go through that can be really helpful for your walk. But man, what an amazing job that, you know, Claire's been investing in your life and we appreciate that. So, amen. I'll take that. You can, all right. You're up, Graham. No cannonballs, remember. We talked through that. Is it warm? Okay, good. Congratulations, buddy. Good job, Dad. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We celebrate two sacraments in the church, the Lord's Supper or communion and baptism. Baptism 
is an outward expression of an inward work that God is doing in someone's life. It's symbolic as, as they go down under the water. They're dying to the old self. And as they come up out of the water, it's a new life, a new beginning that God has, has taken a heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh that is responsive to his Holy Spirit's work in and through our lives. What an amazing thing that we get to celebrate today. I'm going to ask the band to come on out. Are we going to do that song, Jordan? I think we can do a song. I think we should do a song. Okay, awesome. Well, would you stand with us as we sing this closing song? Oh, I know what I, I know what I, there's one more exciting news. That's why you're looking at me funny. There's one more thing to do. We've got some really, really exciting news. I've been sitting on this for so long. I, I, I can't believe I almost forgot this. So, so for, for the whole time I've been here, for three years that I've been here, we have been talking about how we can honor uh, our founding pastor, Steve Marshall. Um, and just, just I want to say to you today, as your pastor, I am so thankful for the ministry that Steve Marshall did here. The investment that he's made in your lives, and it, was, it is remarkable. My plans in moving here as I talked to pastors and church planters, they said, just be aware that the church will drop 50% attendance. Be aware that the giving will go down 50%. Just be ready for that for the first three years. But what, Steve Mar- what God did through Steve Marshall is he did something miraculous. And he, uh, it's amazing. I'm just so thankful for what Steve did. And you are a product of that. We're just so thankful that God used him to do this. So what we wanted to do is, is we wanted to honor him. We wanted to remember the work that God did through him. So I have this really exciting news. Um, starting this year, we will have a yearly um, weekend service called Steve Marshall Missions Weekend. And we are going to have guests, yeah, we're going to have guest missionaries. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're going to have guest missionaries from all over the world come in. Not, not all of them, because it would be crazy, but we're going to have at least a few of them come in from around the world. We're going to have guest missionary preach that weekend. And then we have opened up the Steve Marshall Missions Fund. And we are going to take a special offering every missions weekend that goes towards the Steve Marshall Missions Fund. And that was, yes, that was, uh, that was Steve's heart, and it's prevalent because every time I talk to a mission viewer, they're talking like, when are we going on missions? This, this, you know, this whole pandemic thing's killing us, man. We've got to get out on the missions field. So um, we're really excited about that, and that's um, going to be coming in May. It'll be happening in May, and um, Craig Peters, one of our uh, missionary partners with Equip Ministries, he's here today. Hi, Craig. Love having Craig here. Um, he's going to be preaching that Sunday, so it's going to be awesome. We'll have some other missions organizations here. They're going to set up booths out in the, the lobby. We'll take up that special offering, and all of those funds are discretionary funds for our missions team to use however they see fit. If we want to bring on a new missionary, or if we would just want to give that money away to other missionaries, or however they want want to use it. We're just so excited um, about being able to honor our memory of what God did through Pastor Steve Marshall. So just really excited about that. Be looking forward to that in May as well. Let's sing that song.